I think it's key for leaders to spend a lot of time reflecting on the past and digging into what happened before if you want to make a plan that you can live by. And it is never the CFO's plan. It ultimately is you as a functional leader. Like you're going to have to show up and say you hit it or didn't. This is Revenue Makers, the podcast by Sixth Sense, investigating successful revenue strategies that pushed companies ahead. Adam, tell the folks at home who we get to put in the hot seat today. Well, this will be a fun one. Our guest today is the CRO of Sixth Sense, Latney Conant. Aside from being the CRO, she is the best-selling author of No Forms, No Spam, No Cold Calls, founder of the CMO Coffee Talk, a community of almost 3,000 CMOs who we meet weekly, and she also happens to be our boss. Well, there you go. I can't wait for this convo. We're going to be going deep into buying behaviors, macroeconomic conditions, and why it is getting harder and harder to create and close pipeline. Basically, something that we at Six Sense call B2B inflation. It's a real thing, and we'll talk about how we quantify it and how we've changed our go-to-market motion at Six Sense to adapt. Let's get started. Welcome to Revenue Makers. Thanks so much for joining us. Today, we've got an exciting topic, a topic that is very widespread and is probably impacting every one of you. It's about B2B inflation. And we have Latney Conant, the Chief Revenue Officer of Six Sense, here to talk about B2B inflation, what it is, why it's important for businesses to understand how it's influencing every area of their operations. So welcome, Latney. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks. Tell us a bit about you. Tell us a bit about yourself. I'm so excited to be here. I'm with two of my favorite people, Simon and Adam. Like, let's go. I don't want to get interviewed. I want to interview y'all. Interview y'all. I always learn from y'all. She's going to go um, off book. Going off book. I'm going off book. I'm going off book. First question, Lat. First question. First question. Um, yes, Latney Conant, Chief Revenue Officer of Sixth Sense. And what that means is... I get to work with Simon Adam on market. They are both leaders in our marketing function, or as we like to call it, our market function. And I get to work with sales. I get to work with customer success. I get to work with professional services and partnerships. So it's really about unifying the entire revenue team here at Sixth Sense. That's kind of important. Stop it. Yeah, that whole unification, it, it is kind of important. You know, I think that for teams, once you get to a certain scale, it becomes really challenging. And we definitely felt that here at Sixth Sense because we went from a platform that really had one persona and a pretty identified ideal customer profile to a company that had multiple products multiple personas competing in multiple categories and multiple geographies and multiple verticals. And quickly, it, you know, you, you can't, you know, go down the hall and chat with somebody and fix the problem, right? And so we needed, you know, more structure. We needed alignment around processes and analytics and all that good stuff. And so that's kind of what I'm working on doing here across the amazing B2B revenue team at Six Sense. Nice. So B2B inflation. I think this is this is a new term. I don't know if this is could we say this is your term. I'm not sure if this came 
If you were the original, I think we go with yes. it. I think Latin the inventor it. of the well, not you didn't uh-huh. invent inflation. Otherwise, we'd have to kick you off now. Um, so, what is it like? How would you define it? B two B inflation at a super high level. Well, I used to go to Trader Joe's, and it was hard to spend about a hundred bucks, hundred and twenty bucks. Now I go in there, and all of a sudden it's two hundred, two fifty, and it's the same stuff. Right. It's the, you know, buffalo chicken dip and, and (laughs) (laughs) it's good. good. And the organic yogurt and a couple other things. I I mean, it's the same stuff. And, you know, my salary is the same. And that kind of sucks. And I think around the world, we're experiencing that same, same level of frustration. The paycheck just doesn't go as far. And so now let's look at B2B and B2B revenue generation. Maybe you're one of the few anomalies that has unlimited budget and is getting tons more budget for sales and marketing, but most of us don't operate in that environment. It's always do more with less or do more with the same or or even if you get more, you know, it's still it's still less more to the growth targets. So there's an inherent efficiency that's always expected as you grow. So same paycheck, maybe less paycheck. We go to Trader Joe's, which, and for us, you know, what does it take to win and retain a customer? And we start to look at what it takes to win and retain a customer. And when you look at every touch point and you start to dissect, I don't know if you really want to do this because it starts to get sad, but we do it and, and we look and we see, okay, well, how many touches and a cadence does it take to get someone to take a meeting? 20% more. How many people do we need to connect with to get a meeting? 30% more. Okay, well, maybe it's easier to win a deal though. Well, let's look. You know, when it comes to actually win a deal, buying teams are exponentially bigger. And we all feel this, right? It's like, where did this chief procurement officer guy come from? We never, we, we didn't see him in the last five years, but he's having a real moment. CFOs having a moment, CIOs having a moment. And so all of a sudden, the buying teams are exponentially bigger. And it takes a lot more work to get those contacts engaged. Actually, one of the things that we do here, which maybe you guys have talked about, is we bring all of our one deals back into Sixth Sense so that we can see what did it take this quarter to win a deal? Was it easier? Was it harder? And it's more personas. It's more website visits. It's more engagement touches. It's all of those things to win the same size deal. So that is what I mean by B2B inflation. And I think that we need to just recognize, like step one is recognize it. Admit there's a problem. Recognize that there's a problem, right? And I know you can't go to the board and say, well, I heard this podcast and this lady said there's B2B inflation, so. Listen to this, it's all you need, you're done. Yeah, sorry, I didn't hit my number. That's not what I'm saying, that that I would not do that. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that if you don't know what it takes to win a deal, then you're going to end up working a lot of deals and maybe not winning deals, right? And nobody wants to run, you know, 25 miles and not get the, not get the, the trophy or the, you know, the lanyard for, for running the marathon. And so I think just understanding is, 
is step one. And then step two, and it kind of goes back to, I don't want to work deals. I want to win deals is you might have to be more prioritized in the number of opties you work to make I was sure you sad, really but you just maybe less sad because you got it. You brought it back up a little bit. So that's good. I brought it back. Well, you're, you know, it was like, it was getting dark. And yeah. I was thinking about an inflation IPA that I'd want to drink, but then he brought it back. And he said, oh, you yeah, can more prioritize. Brought it, like, right. brought it back. All right. It's good. So, so let Sixth Sense has obviously been doing research, talking about how buyer behavior is changing, right? We've been at the forefront of the account-based experience, but you spoke a lot about data and baselining and understanding what good looks like, right? Understanding, of course, it's taking more people, it's taking more touches, it just takes more, more, more to win deals and to retain customers. How do you address B2B inflation then, it, given that, you know, budgets are flat, headcount is flatter down? I mean, there's so many limitations to what we can do. So a couple things, I think similar to in our personal lives, one, you have to choose what you're going to spend on more wisely. Right. And so I think that is all about ideal customer profile and account selection and making sure you're working the right accounts and contacts. Because again, you want to put your precious resources against what is most likely to convert. You know, those opties that are in market, those opties that are ready for a conversation. So you're not wasting, you know, you want to eliminate waste however possible. And maybe in a past environment, there was more room in the budget to have waste, but I would argue now there really isn't. So I think that's, you know, that's step one. Or the other thing is, I think, really understanding the winning patterns. Because if you understand the winning patterns, then you can say, well, let's make sure we're doing those versus the things that, you know, maybe don't work. And, you know, once you've chosen your store, maybe, you know, maybe you go generic instead of branded back to this. I'm really like this metaphor is getting kind of old, but I'm, I'm going with it. I'm going with it. But, you know, being choosy, uh, you know, it's starting with like, what are the big places that I'm going to spend? And so those to me are the accounts and contacts and really refining that and getting really good at that. And then second is like, okay, now when we do work on an opportunity, how do we make sure we work it the right way and we do the things that we know to be the most successful? And so I talk about like choreographing winning. And you think about a dance and, you know, a bunch of random people doing random stuff is like, is a mob. It's not a dance. <laughs> Have you seen us dance? Yeah. yeah. We are more <laughs> of a mob. <laughs> we are. There mob, are videos mosh, out there. Pit, you know, pick, pick it. But what we want is we want, you know, everybody doing their piece at the right time. And when you study what success looks like, then all of a sudden, you know what everyone's piece looks like. And so I'll give you an example. We have a pretty big outbound motion here at Success, given we're enterprise, upper enterprise and strategic. So it's pretty common to have a robust outbound motion. And we did a study. And we found that BDRs, they were coming into the office sort of at will. And the days that they were in the office, it was so weird. They were 30% more productive than the days that they weren't in the office. And so we said, you know, maybe we should be in, in the office here, guys, right? And I mean, it is a little, it's a little thing, but it was funny because we kept saying, I'll do, 
do we make people go back in the app? Do we... And so we just let the data say, yeah, it probably does make sense for this team. And we're going to invest in their success. We're going to have, you know, monthly trainings. We're going to make sure that they're learning from each other. And, and so, you know, this, the development opportunity that they got from being together in the office is really the crux of that 30% more efficient. So, Bill, you know, uh, another thing also related to the outbound team is we started to look at, okay, what activities yield to a meeting booked? And, you know, it's so easy to just email, right? You like put the, like, like I think that the, what I love about the sales engagement platforms is they've, they've made sure that you can cover accounts, but it's almost turned into marketing automation 2.0, where it's pretty easy to put the contact in the cadence and let the thing run. And I don't want to say maybe that had been happening. I mean, we do a lot around inspecting and making sure that there's personalization and blah, 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 blah. But when we looked at the data, what created a meeting was a phone call, a conversation. You have a conversation with someone. It's so weird. That's how you get meetings. So we said, well, maybe we should email a lot less so that they can spend a lot more time on the phone. And that's been a real game changer for us as well. We've had our top quarter for pipeline generation, same team. We haven't grown the team just from those two things, you know, changing behavior. So in a world where, and I sound like I'm narrating something in a world, growth at, at any cost, right? That was the theme for so long, right? It's just like spend, 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 grow, 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 profitability be damned. Bottom line, be damned. Clearly, that's over. How do you balance? You got a board pressuring you for growth. You got a business that's in flux, and you've got this inflation world happening, this B2B inflation. Like, how do you meet somewhere in the middle on healthy growth, expectations, kind of in a world where you the, the dollars are so much less, everything is more just an inflation, like you said? Like, how do you somehow come to the middle on all that? So, I think a couple things. One is, you know, I am bullish on generative AI, and we've seen firsthand that the power of, of generative AI, you know, a good like micro experiment for us was on our content team. And you know this as well as I do, Adam, we have a big growth number. And what's a big correlation to growing content coverage, you know, getting people to your website, covering more keywords. I just said that we went to two new verticals, new countries, and we have a whole new suite of products. That's a lot of content coverage. But we haven't hired one additional writer. What we have done is purchase the writer solution, which is generative AI. And I think we were all a little skeptical at first, but I think as leaders, you have to like, you almost have to force change at first right? It's always going to be harder at first. And it was kind of harder at first, but we're finding, you know, and it's not a magic box. It's not, you know, it's never going to replace our team, but it's a great way for them to quickly edit, quickly revision, quickly, you know, convert blogs of a company that we acquired to our brand and our voice. And so it's just like this huge efficiency tool. So like, why wouldn't we go all in on that? And so I think you have to like look at your business and your body of work and say, how do we reimagine this work? And AI is a bit, you know, if you're not 
kind of curious and figuring that out. What a mess, you know? We just found, again, back to waste, like, you don't want to waste on the wrong counts and contacts, but you also don't want to waste work that's already been done, right? So like, and everybody, if you look at your funnel, there's like leaky buckets, right? We call it the dead zone, right? When you get a meeting, you think everything's great, or you go to an event, you have a great dinner, everyone's cheersing and high-fiving and the wine is flowing and then nothing, right? And we all know that, right? And so generative AI, we have a product called conversational email that helps us Keep that money that we've already invested alive. You know, get that next five, 10% for us. It's 10% of our pipeline now that we probably would have just given up on. And what a miss, right? So like, how do we pick those things up off of the floor and make sure that they're getting worked? So that's been another kind of really game changer for us. And Y'all know this because we've worked together for a while. Like we have never been growth at all cost. We actually stopped hiring a while ago. Not because our CFO told us to, but I think that there's a mentality that starts to creep in that this isn't my job or I just, if I just had more people or, you know, and I hate that. Like I just, I value scrappy. I don't care how big we get. There's something for, to like the scrappy marketer I th- and it forces creativity and it forces commitment. Like I really want to do this and I'm going to make a business case for it. And I'm going to prove that this is a better investment than something else. You know, and we've always stack ranked our programs based on ROI, you know, every, every quarter. We spend a lot of money on something. Let's make sure something good happened. And it's not always source pipeline. It might be retention. We just had our breakthrough customer event, which is our biggest chunk change. I mean, we lay down a lot for that. But guess what? When you have 100% renewal rate for people that attend and you get, you know, over 400 accounts there, I'll do that. I'll, no brainer, I'll do that yeah. investment any day. Yeah. Right. But that yeah. scrappy mentality, I don't know. You got to hire to that. You got to build that. You got to create a culture and, and reward people who operate that way. And I think when you do that, the other things like people curious about using generative AI, the, the, it all starts with that, right? And, and then the last thing I would say is like, you know, I, I talk about BHAGs, like set bold, audacious, crazy goals. And not everything can have a bold, audacious, crazy goal. But if you have the right boom stat, it gets people like so rallied and they realize I can't keep doing it this way if I'm going to hit that crazy number. I have to rethink. And see, so how is have to be like rethinking, like how are we doing this and how do we evolve? Totally. Love it. Love it. So obviously you gave, you know, use cases for AI to help scale both on the marketing side as well as on the sales side. You've talked about understanding what's working on a regular cadence, letting the data inform what you're doing. Can we talk a little bit about the planning? Again, planning in an economy like this in a time of B2B inflation, how do you go about setting the right targets? Right? I, I know you mentioned the BHAG, but just the financial targets for you as a revenue org. And then how often do those have to also be revised, revisited, triangulated against? That is one of the hard things about hard things. 
at my old company, we were like obsessed with rule of 40. And I think it's, you know, whether you believe rule of 40 or not, I think it's a good lens to apply. What's the rule of 40? And and what the rule of 40 is, you take your growth plus or minus your profitability and you want to be over 40. So if you're 20% profitable and growing at 20%, you're 40. Or if you're growing at 80% and 20% not profitable, you would be rule of 60, right? And so it's this, it's the constant balance of like growth versus profitability. If you're wildly profitable and not growing that much, that's cool too, right? But it, but it really kind of helps set I think where you want to go and and where you want to be. And so every planning exercise is essentially a rule of 40 exercise. It's looking at like, okay, what growth triggers can we hit versus what is it going to cost to get that growth? It's stack ranking. Again, just like we stack rank our programs in marketing, it's stack ranking product mix. It's stack ranking segment and starting to see patterns. Wow, this product... We can sell a ton of it. We can renew a ton of it and they upsell. Maybe that's where we put our eggs, you know? And I know this stuff sounds, you know, kind of obvious, but I think it's key for leaders to spend a lot of time reflecting on the past and digging into what happened before if you want to make a plan that you can live by. And it is never the CFO's plan. It ultimately is you as a functional leader, like you're going to have to show up and say you hit it or didn't. And so, you know, you got you to have a plan that you can live with. No mutually agreed upon fantasies. But the key is like going back in time and finding those patterns and then being able to create one that adjusts for the right things. Cool. You were talking earlier about like number of touches just to get in front of somebody, right? And the number of personas and all that. When you finally do now get in front of somebody and you get that teeny little sliver of time, mm-hmm. how do you make sure, whether it's a seller, whoever it is, is going to maximize that time for the best possible outcome, whether it's a conversion to closing ROI, whatever it may be? Like, what's the best way to make sure every minute counts? It's interesting. Like, there's conversational intelligence platforms that let you listen to all the various calls and things. And I think that's really good for frontline managers and good for individual sellers. I think it becomes really challenging once you're operating at any scale. Like I don't have time to listen to 500 calls and like start to see a pattern and, you know, whatever. And so I think just starting by progression, like, okay, this person consistently progresses from stage one to two. Well, what are they doing on their first calls that others aren't? And so it's like that curiosity to always juxtapose, this is the cohort that's winning. This is the cohort that's not. What are they doing? You know? And so it takes a lot of that, like, I think, curiosity to continue to look into that. And I think it's the, so that's the science, but I still think it's like kind of also the art the art of marketing and the art of selling is like, how do I make an emotional connection to something this person cares to me and to something that matters to this person in 30 minutes that was supposed to be a demo? 
clicking around software, yeah. right? It's hard, <laughs> really hard. That's why I loved our keynote speaker who talked about like getting to the comp. Like it's easy to look at someone and think we have nothing in common. Then it's like, oh, I have a dog. I have a dad. I have like, you, you got to get to the common ground on a human level. And then, you know, we talk a lot at Sixth Sense about above the line priorities. You know, what is the person we care about? What are, what is their, what are they going to have to go present to their boss? You know, what's their B2B inflation crisis? And so I think really training to that and reinforcing that throughout the customer journey is critical. Yep. You know, getting close to wrap up now, and you've given a ton of, you know, ideas on how to solve for B2B inflation in a world where, you know, just there is so much limitations on what folks are able to do. We have the saying at Sixth Sense that ideas are easy, but execution is everything. And so what top couple of tips could you share on just executing to perfection or to excellence and how to really get that mindset across the organization? I forgot one thing on the last question. Like you should look at their digital breadcrumbs. A lot of times people are telling you what they want to talk about. It's like, and if you're not using that, shame on you, right? If you know their top intent keyword, if you know the visits they've made to the website, if you know the content they've consumed, like. It's right there, yeah. Hello. A lot of times it's right there. So just wanted to revisit that. Ideas are easy. Execution is hard. I think you have to be a little bit crazy to do great things. And I have a saying, namaste cray, the crazy in me appreciates the crazy in you. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you want to surround yourself with people that want to do interesting, great things and don't want to be average. And they have that zest for life. Like, like you got to have people that don't want to have the blahs, that don't want to have a normal customer conference. They want to have a drone show and they want to do this. They want to do that. And like, and that spirit, I think, is infectious. And then- So it starts with hiring yes. and, and just getting the right people yes. in. Yeah. Yes. And then celebrating, like, sticking the landing. I think there's some kind of diagnosis just for working in B2B in general that you have yeah. to have before you actually can, like, get through the door. You talk about the, appreciating the crazy in people. So, but, well, I think, I think we just, uh, we ran around the quarter and everything with B2B inflation. So that was, I enjoyed the conversation. I learned a little bit even more, even though I've heard you uh, talk about this before. So it was awesome. I appreciate you taking the time. Simon, any other, any final thoughts, questions, comments? Um, for the folks who are listening, I mean, Lat hit on a ton of specific KPIs, data points. Lots of great stuff that we use at Sixth Sense to monitor our B2B inflation. If you are interested in learning more about them, we have a community called RevCity where we've got how-tos and posts and screenshots about how we do all of it. So we'll get the link in here for you guys and feel free to check it out. Definitely check it out and always fun to hang with you guys. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Revenue Makers. Do you have a revenue project you were asked to execute that had wild success? Share your story with us at sixcents.com slash revenue. We might just ask you to come on the show. And if you don't want to miss the next episode, be sure to follow along on your favorite podcast app.